Welcome to another edition of Pro Wrestling for Life, everybody. It's me, two-time WWE Hall of Famer, X-Pac. <laughs> What's going on, Nick? My co-host, Nick Hausman's here. Yes. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, I'm having a great time. I got new shirts. I'm all floral this uh, this summer. I'm trying to be like Jimmy Buffett style all the time. So I'm feeling good, right? Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we have a huge show for everybody today. Uh, you've all asked for it. Many of you have asked for it. When are we going to get Jerry Lynn on the show? So many of you have such fond memories of watching uh, Jerry and Sean work all over the place. Well, we got it here for you today. About an hour conversation between Sean and Jerry here on the show. And then after that, even more, uh, we're going to have Josiah Williams on here, who did Wrestling Flow, deeply ingrained in NXT, responsible for bringing a lot of that hip-hop influence to NXT. A great a compliment to the Jerry Lynn uh, conversation. And then at the end of the show, we're going to bring on a patron and we're going to play a game. So a lot to get to here. Um, we have a little bit of housekeeping. We changed the pro wrestling for life Facebook page. We have 1.2 thousand followers over there. So you can go check us out. And we're also going to be dropping the first ever mailbag for our patrons here. I think it'll drop on Thursday or Friday based off of when the schedule lines up for Sean, but we're going to have that out. We're going to answer some of your questions, um, but I don't want to wait. We have no dilly dallying to do here because we have so much. So I real quick, just wanted to get your thoughts, Sean, right before we finished recording last week uh, or right after we recorded last week, Samoa Joe uh, back in NXT. He's working as the muscle here for William Regal. Uh, what do you think about the decision for Joe to resign with WWE, come back to NXT and be in this role with Regal? I'm not shocked. Like, I think everyone kind of thought that might be what happens. Like, like even before we, you know, before we dropped the show last week, like, um, uh, you know, there was already rumblings of it, right? It was just, it didn't happen yet. So we, it was not something that, it's not something we talked about, but right. I'm happy for, like, as long as everyone's happy, because the, P, you know, NXT fans are happy. Um, um, I think Samoa Joe fans are happy. Maybe not all of them, you know, because, you know, uh, I'm sure some Samoa Joe fans were probably coming up with three matches versus Kenny Omega or this person or that person. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, but good for Joe. As long as he's happy, man. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Say it with us. Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger and longer lasting erections. Oh, yeah, Sean. I mean, I, I, you know, I know that every man out there wants to feel very virile, right, in the, in the bedroom there. And, you know, Blue Chew, they offer a unique online service. They deliver the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, uh, but it's in a chewable form, and it's at a fraction of the cost. So that's nice, chewable form, much more uh, inexpensive than, than these other leading brands out there, you know? Yeah. And uh, Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve heart. Did I already fucking say that? that no, you know, I mean, you can, I think they want us to really emphasize it here, that, you know, mm -hmm. the harder, stronger erections that you get, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if, if you've heard, but, like, erections on blue chew are like blue steel a cat can't scratch it that's so really good. that's good so yeah they're at all i stole that line from a movie from from when i was a kid anyways <laughs> uh i don't want the cat scratching my steel pole but whatever to each his own with your blue chew so blue chew is an online prescription service no visits to the doctor's office no awkward conversations no waiting in line at the pharmacy and it ships right to your door in a nice discreet package so it doesn't say Blue Chew, deal with your erectile dysfunction on the right. 
discreet, <laughs> you know, discreet. Yeah. yeah, the process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And those licensed medical providers, they're going to work with you to find the right ingredient and the strength for your prescription that you're going to need. Yeah. The one I like to use, Nick, is the, is the uh, Sildenafil, the one that's um, that's like similar to um, oh, Cialis. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's I like you. There's two different ones you can get. I just prefer that one. Okay, so you're so yeah. you're so that's great that you actively are using this and you can testify that this is a great product. Oh yeah, I Blue Chew was on board with me um for a while back when I was doing Xbox One Two Three Sixty. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and and like the thing I like about them too is like they're made in the USA. Yeah, they prepare, they ship direct, so it's cheaper than going to a pharmacy. I mean, it's a lot of great stuff over at Blue Chew. I mean, they're. Yeah. I mean, for pro wrestling fans, we, I mean, you know about Blue Chew, but this is your chance to really try it out. You know what I mean? That's the thing about Blue Chew, Nick, um, is they've been so supportive of uh, the wrestling industry and wrestling podcasts. Like, um, so uh, I hope everyone goes out and supports them. And they yeah. have been, right? Blue Chew's doing great. I think they're the, I mean, as far as I know, I think they're the, they're at the top of their, um, you know, I'm not going to say the other the other names of uh, their competitors, but okay, anyways. they're at the top of the they're at the top of the heat. They're at the top, yeah. the peak of the erection. They're on the tip of that erection, is where that is. Mm-hmm. The tip, that's the best part. And blue, <laughs> hey, so the tip, uh, just the tip. Yeah, I know. I'm glad that I'm glad that tickled you, Sean. Hey, so what else do we have here? We say, well, that's the thing, is Sean. This isn't just about us saying nice things. Uh, the listeners out there, we got a great deal for you when it comes to Bluetooth. So. If you want to try Blue Chew free, uh, use the promo code PRO at checkout. Uh, just you're going to pay $5 shipping, but you're going to get the free Blue Chew. That's bluechew.com, promo code PRO. Uh, you're going to receive the first month free. Uh, and that's great. You know, Sean? Yes. Once again, that's bluechew.com, promo code PRO, P R O, to receive the first month free. And we thank you very much, Blue Chew. Appreciate your support. Growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid, but I had to give it up because I realized it was full of sugar and junk that you really shouldn't eat. Yeah, totally. I mean, and Sean, like you're a high level athlete. I mean, I'm sure you like want to enjoy cereal, but like you don't want to put, you know, all that sugar and stuff into your system, right? Yeah. And like, right these days, Nick, um, I'm really conscious about what I put in my body as far as food and everything. Uh, and, um, like I try to, I try to, um, I try to eat like a, uh, paleo or kind of a keto ish type of diet, you know, not real, not like super strict, but like, I'm, I'm just really mindful of it. And, uh, man, this magic spoon, man, <laughs> I'm freaking. I'm in heaven with this stuff, man. I, I know you are. Like, that's the thing is you told me, because like we got this a couple days ago. You told me that you got the magic spoon and then you enjoyed it. And then yes. it, was, it like disappeared. Is that what you yeah. did? Yeah. Like I, literally just a couple minutes ago, I had to go upstairs and get this from where I hid it for my <laughs> wife. I had to hide because my wife's just like me. She she tries to watch what she eats and, you know, right. similar uh, similar diet to mine. And uh, I came up and all my magic, just about all my magic spoon was gone. 
Yeah, dude. Well, yeah, there was some serious heat in the household over that. <laughs> well, I don't. I mean, we want to tell our sponsor, a great sponsor, Magic Spoon. Yeah, we love the product. It won't ruin your relationship. I don't know if we can say that is like a health anecdote, but it, it shouldn't. I mean, you know. But yeah, I mean, this is this is really good stuff. I mean, great flavors at zero grams of sugar, thirteen to fourteen grams of protein, uh, only four net grams of carbs in each serving, and yeah. only one hundred and forty calories a serving. That's really good, Sean. For considering how it tastes, Dude. it's um, it's amazing, Nick. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing, man. Like, especially if if you haven't had any of this type of stuff in a while. Like, if you're being pretty strict on your diet, uh, and you don't you don't cheat, man, you'll feel like you're cheating when you eat this. Like, honestly, you feel like you're doing something wrong when you eat it. It's yeah. that damn good. Yeah, I mean, and you talk about how good it is for your diet. I mean, a keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, uh, GMO-free. And yep. what we got, Sean, is what everybody out there right now can try as well, the variety pack. So you get yes. four different flavors. You get cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter, which is the one I have right now, and I've been munching yes. on before we did this spot. Yes. My favorite are, are the fruity ones. They're. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what uh, – what brand uh cereal I'm, i don't want to name you know can i name up fruit loops sure, it tastes I, a lot like fruit loops man okay got I'm it made just as good yeah this is okay. good yeah i i agree with you man yeah and like they told us in the in the copy here to yeah. try in the cocoa and the peanut butter together and yeah. make like your own kind of like mix cereal did you do it oh i did it sean and yeah. it, really good it's nice. just a peanut butter cup you know nice and you know like i don't i don't drink milk anymore so uh like i either use like an almond milk or like um earlier i used oat milk with mm. it so and, and it's amazing even with like almond milk oat milk uh cashew any of that stuff so yeah, like yes man if you're like if, if if you don't use dairy like just throw some coconut milk or almond milk in there with it it's amazing um, hey, so yeah. Anyways, hey, so um, everyone, anyone uh, that's listening or watching right now wants wants to give Magic Spoon a try. I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Uh, if you do, uh, go to magicspoon.com/pro. That's magicspoon.com/pro to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code PRO. P -R -O, at checkout to save five dollars off your order. Yeah, five bucks, man, gone yep. off off of it. You get to try it, and it's five dollars gone. You don't even need yep. it. Bro. And 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 Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a one hundred percent happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Man, that's good. That's customer service. I can believe it, Sean. Yep. 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 Remember. Get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash P-R-O and use the code P-R-O to save $5 off. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, of course, we want to thank you again, Magic Spoon, uh, for coming on and sponsoring Pro Wrestling for Life. I love Magic Spoon. Like, this isn't just, hey, it's not just uh, we have a sponsor. Like, I legit. Love this shit, man. It is so good. I hope everyone gives it a shot.
Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm incredibly happy to be talking to this gentleman. Uh, he's, I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for him. Jerry Lynn, everybody. Hey, What's I up, could, Jerry? Hey, I could say the same thing about you. I don't think I would either. Well, I mean, like, okay, we went over this a little bit, right, on right. Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. And you, you said that, and I'm like, dude, it's the, it's the same, man. Like, I, I I would love to believe that you and I would have still found some way to make it, you know, and right. leave our mark in pro wrestling if we hadn't, you know, come across each other, our paths hadn't crossed. But, but man, I'm so glad they did. I am, oh. I am too, because you know what it was like back then. It was Land of the Giants, and everyone yeah. was happy just lumbering around uh, body slamming and clotheslining yeah, each other. Just, just uh, chopping meat, punch, yeah. punch, stomp, punch. Like, especially up in our neck of the woods. Yeah, and honest right. little guys. You know, I yeah. got a lot of frequent flyer mileage in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> so. Hey, so I don't want to get like too far. Oh, you know, hey, so this is when you started. Like, uh, like I don't like to do that, especially like with dear friends of mine. But like, just like Jerry Lynn was trained by Brad Rangett, who's like one of the great like. To me, there's a few guys, like, I feel like I had the best training you can get, and and so did you. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, 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 and that's, look, man, because, and there's a lot of good teachers out there. There's a lot of really bad ones, too. Right. So, like, I'm just really grateful uh, for mine and and for yours. And, and you know, we used to go, Jerry and I used to go, like, when other, when Brad Rangans would have other camps going, you know, we would go and work out with, the, with everyone and. Man, I just loved it. Oh, have you talked to Brad Rangins at all? Actually, I think probably, oh gosh, maybe five, six months ago. Is kidding me? No, no. Last time, and I've been trying to hunt him down for a while. I've, you know, asked Dan Jesser, but the last time, it's probably been a few years now, uh, uh, WWE came to town. So I went to go down to say hi to the boys, and I got to see Brock. And uh, he, well, kayfabe this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, everyone's going to know, but I, he gave me Brad's number. And so yeah. I called Brad, left him a message because he's kind of, he's a hermit. Yeah. He's, he stays hidden. And um, I think it took maybe a couple months, but he finally called me back. I was shocked. And wow. I just, I just wanted to thank him, you know, because yeah. I, I told him, I said, I don't think I could have found a better trainer. And, and, and just, I, what a good, just, just a, awesome guy too oh great a guy really neat guy oh yeah but the camp wasn't easy <laughs> and uh he was very brutally honest with us and i i told him i really appreciated that because yeah. he told us day one he says don't go into this thinking you're going to be a big superstar and a multi-millionaire because chances are it's not going to happen <laughs> and so I, I appreciated his brutal honesty did hey jerry i can't remember who you went to camp with do we the like, people watching now do they know any, any other people you through camp? It was only three other guys. It was, I can't remember his last name. It was like Hard Rock Rick or something like oh, okay. that. Big jacked up guy. And uh, Did Burton go through with you? Yep. Tom Burton. Oh, Tom Burton. And Todd Becker. I don't know if you remember Todd or not. A little bit. He's the one who actually found out about Brad's camp because we were working together laying telephone cable underground and he found out about Brad's camp. So And, and Tom Burton, like people might know Tom Burton as... He was also called Beef Burton, and for a while he was in Memphis. And y'all were in Memphis together, right? Yeah, he was one of the dirty white boys. Yeah, and also, like people, not that this is the Tom Burton episode, but um, you know, like 
Tom ended up going down, I think, to Nashville. And, like, separate from the training with Brad Rangins, he trained with Billy freaking Robinson. And uh, and went to U, like UWFI. Oh yeah, when I first came down to uh, Memphis, actually that's when Tom was working with that UW. Maybe it's the second time when I when I moved down there to work with for Global with you. But uh, he was working with that UWFI, and one of their guys was over here and training guys in Tennessee, like Billy Scott. Billy Scott, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I was started training with them. I was initially going to go over there with that company, but yeah. they wanted me to train for a whole nother, almost a year. And then that's when that Lucha company yeah. came up and wanted us to go. And I said, I wanted to go now. I didn't want to wait another year. Right. So it was so, similar, man. Like, yeah. you know, Jerry, like, I, I think, you know, like, like originally before I ended up in Minnesota, you know, like I trained, I, I trained doing that with, you know, Miss, Masami Soranaka, Carl Gotcha's son-in-law. Like, because we were, like, a lot of us were going over and doing UWF, you know, before they split up into UWFI and all that stuff. But, so, like, originally, like, that was my path, too, man. Like, and I just, I love the, I love the American pro wrestling too much, you know? Well, I love the actual, you know, doing a couple I think, spots. And, I think you know, we loved it all. Yeah, you and I, because we would watch whatever tapes we get our hands on, even if it was you know Mexico or Japan or yeah. England, anything we get our hands on, we'd watch. Hey, so Jerry, like Jerry and I, for everybody like that's watching and listening right now, man, it, like you were my best friend, Jerry. Like we spent like every like whatever free moments we had, man. Like we spent together, and like whether it was. See, Jerry got me a job at the strip club. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about if I was a bad influence. No, man. No, dude. Like, oh, you were so, like you. Jerry kind of gave up, gave me his job. He stepped aside and let me have his job. Like, like doing spotlight. Doing a spotlight. Yeah. Jerry started doing the refereeing for the for the uh, for the Beverly Hills Knockouts. They were lady boxers, but they would they would do these 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 boxing matches that were a work Nick and, but they were great. Right. Oh yeah. The girls were, they, they played rough. Yeah. And like, and, and the people would go crazy, but anyways, I don't want to get up too. but anyway, so Jerry and I, even when it wasn't wrestling, we were around each other. We were together, you know? Um, and just like, you know, doing like the first time I got arrested was with Jerry Lynn. <laughs> Hey, that was the first time I got arrested. Too. <laughs> well, did you do? <laughs> Remember, I got it. I got, got it too, for right? uh, contributing to a minor because yeah. you had the open container in the car. They're like Sun Country wine cooler, right? Yeah. Like, like we we so we went to the Apple River on like a, a big in uh, Somerset, Wisconsin. Yeah, to go uh, tubing down the river, and a bunch of people from the strip club and just every it was just the funnest time. But I. When Jerry got me the job there, I hadn't legally turned eighteen yet, even. So really, like, I, no, man, I was oh, seventeen wow. when I first got there. Like the first oh. time we worked, I was seventeen, Jerry. Well, that yeah. <laughs> was it. Still, uh, nineteen in Minnesota and eighteen Wisconsin to drink at that point, or no? Or they I think it was nineteen. It? I think it was nineteen, and, but they 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 allowed me to work there at eighteen. Okay, you know, and I was in heaven getting to hang out with like. You know, pretty girls and, and but anyway, <laughs> they had a trap, they had a tourist trap there and they caught us, you know. Like, oh yeah. That's you know? the way they made their money in that small yeah. town. 
Yeah. Dude, I got arrested. I got arrested in Madison, Wisconsin on some bullshit charges on Halloween weekend. So I share that with you. Yeah. <laughs> I holding tank. It was awful. Sorry, I didn't mean to expose your corrupting uh, the youth of the late 90s. <laughs> or the late 80s. Well, you know, we were young and just, oh, we were, yeah. we were, it was harmless fun. We were just it drinking was. on the Apple River. You know, the, who yeah. did, who, no one was not drinking while tubing down the river. You know, and I, everyone not, was. I was broke. So Jerry had to bail me out. I don't think I ever paid Jerry back. Eh. <laughs> but wait so what's the origin story here then like we hear about how good of friends you guys were but when did you, yeah wh- what's the when did you guys meet when did you guys become friends yeah uh, what's well just you know obviously we met at rope you know at georgia's ropers and friendly yeah. it was like our home base nick like yeah. this this bar in friendly minnesota which was basically northeast minneapolis right down the street from uh from, the grandma uh, bees or from something? grandma bees where all the, where the road warriors and everyone used to bounce the legendary grandma bees it was right down the street from there we were jerry and i used to beat the shit out of each other <laughs> well, oh my had, god we, we had to because the fans were up close and personal yeah you know? and back then yeah. the the curtain hadn't been pulled out open wide open oh yeah you know so we had to really uh when when the fans are that close you had to really lay stuff in there and it's just like we didn't like we met each other but like like I was wrestling Matt Derringer, like you were wrestling somebody else, maybe Ricky Rice or something like that. Probably, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. so Jerry was having great matches, not just with me, but also well, Ricky Rice. When you look at them now, they weren't so great. Well, for the, <laughs> Jerry, for the time, right? Okay, yeah, for the time. For the time, and like it was, and I talk about this a lot because you know we did the best we could figuring things out on our own. With yeah. a little bit of guidance from different, you know, like, you know, people, just a little advice here and there. But, like, it's not like we had, like, these incredible, like, uh, experienced veterans to be in the ring. We were figuring this no. stuff out as we went. Yes. And, like, when you look at it through that lens, these were great matches. <laughs> you look, but, we, but there's so many mistakes. Psychology, oh, yeah. like. Yes. Like, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But you know what? It's still, like I told you before, it's still some of my favorite work of my whole career because we had everyone thinking we really hated each other's guts. And to me, that's a job well done when you make when you make them suspend their belief. So Jerry and I, um, we got a gig being in a movie. It was called Crossing, (laughs) called Crossing the Bridge. It actually was a good movie, man. Like there's a lot of shitty movies out there. This was actually a good movie. but uh, we we played high school seniors, and so we had to get we had to cut our hair. So I we shot this angle. Um, on TV. What is his show? Body Slam yeah. Review or something like that. Saturday Night at Ringside on Channel okay. Twenty Three. It was yeah, a res- Nick. It was a wrestling block. They would have WCW like USWA, you know, like a, and maybe like a women's wrestling show, like three hours of wrestling. Sure. And in between, you know, Mick Karch, there would be local local segments. And so Jer- we would shoot our angles on this show, you know. And so, like, I came and beat Jerry up and cut his hair. Oh, yeah. You, you had the, the golden idol with you and yeah. held me down while you were cutting my hair. Yeah. So we cut his hair, and then, like, I sold it. We put it in bags, and we sold it at the <laughs> oh at the, at the at the next show. It was so great. We you went and had certificates of authentication printed up and, say, yeah. and put on each Ziploc baggie with a little curl of hair in there. And he yeah. went and sold eighty dollars worth of hair. 
Dude, there was more than that. Come on. Yeah, this, was this, well, then oh, yeah. I, thought, I thought that was it. Oh. No, it, you might, it might have been your half because I split it with you. And I, I don't and know it, why we gave Eddie some, but we did. Uh, we felt obligated because yeah. he, kept us, he kept us working. And usually even on spot shows in the middle of Wisconsin or North Dakota, he always paid us 100 bucks. So At least 100 bucks. Yeah, right? yeah. Gary, when I came to Minnesota and I made my first $100, I thought I'd made it. <laughs> I swear, man. I was like, and plus there were shows that had like, you know, people that you'd heard of, like Adnan, the Baron, you know, like Patera. So yeah, yeah, we were on shows with these guys, real pro wrestlers. Yeah. So it wasn't just like this bullshit, you know, like show at the flea market with, you know, like glorified backyard wrestling. It was like real. It felt like we were real, really pro wrestlers. Right. Yeah. So what, what did what did the what did that guard think of you two then? What did they what did, <laughs> what was it like for you guys being the young guys in the locker room like with those guys? Um. Well, I heard uh, slow down. Where's the fire? A lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so weird. That's the refrain now, right? Yes. But, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying too. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think certain certain people that kind of thought that. Uh, there was a sense of entitlement amongst a lot of a lot of the independent talent in Minnesota just because you had Rick Rude, the Road Warriors, Nikita Koloff, you know, that had all made it big, Darso. And so they just assumed if they were like six foot plus and, you know, 250 pounds and looked like they were on a little bit of shit or whatever, that like it, the business was theirs for the taking, you know? Yeah. They, and, well, you know, the things problem, were starting to change. <laughs> well, you and I went over and above and did more than anyone else and to pursue it. I mean, you and I would even, like I mentioned this when I did your other podcast, that we'd go to Kinko's and Sean knew how to print up posters and flyers and tickets and we would go paper the town. Yeah. So we did a little bit of everything in, in the business yep. and everyone else just sat home waiting for the phone to ring. Yep. And it doesn't work that way. You got to go get it. Yeah. Nick? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, so Sean then, like, goes off and becomes the one, two, three kid. What was it like for you to watch Sean go on that journey and kind of start to take off early on, Jerry? Oh, it was great. I mean, that's what, you know, everyone's pursuing when you get into the business is to try and get to the big time. Mm -hmm. So I was happy for him. Yeah. A lot of everyone around the Twin Cities always thought I was jealous. But I wasn't. I was very happy for him. Well, and because I know man. you worked your butt off. And why? Yeah, would we I, all did, man. You, you know? and I both did. Yeah. Uh, um, and we were we were inseparable, man. And then, like you know, like things started to happen different for, for like like originally after the the GWF kind of uh, fell off. Um, they brought you to Memphis, right? I first went to Memphis, and then the following winter went to GWF. Oh, it was after, backwards, huh? Yeah. Ah, okay. So I remember I came back from Memphis, and we didn't tell anybody. We didn't let the fans know anyone, and we so we wanted to re-up our angle. And yeah. so you had uh, Ricky Rice handcuffed to the ring post, and I came in the ring, and you threw a big fireball in my face. Oh, that's right. Yes. Oh, and my God. I didn't realize. I, I watched. I rewatched it, and I paused it. 
and it was like a big giant three foot ball of flame engulfing <laughs> my head. And you said, "Yeah, I told Idol to make the make it extra big. This is like an extra big wadded ball of flash paper. Turns <laughs> into burn unit. Actually. Yeah, I, I smelled nothing but singed hair for a month <laughs> after that. Hey, so, so, but and and you know. There was just some. There were some other things that ha that we did, uh, Nick. Before I, before I became one, two, three kid, like that. That are really noteworthy. That 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 were just that were really great times for me. And and I really like Jerry and I. We went. Like, he, he hit on it a little bit. We went to this company in Japan called Universal Pro Wrestling, and it was the it was the precursor to like Toriyuman, Dragon Gate, all that stuff. It was it was Ultimo Dragons, yeah. It was Michinoku started right from that, um, and uh, and so Jerry and I went over there. Um, I went over there once by myself, but then we went over there and we were a team, and we did some really cool. Uh, we were a really good team, Jerry. Yeah, we gelled. Well, yeah, well, and probably because we, really we knew cool each other so team. well. Yeah. yeah, and really cool double team moves, like yeah. Yeah, the really good stuff for GIFs or GIF, whatever you want. Like, sure. Yeah. And we had a good feud with uh, Jado and Gato. Jado and Gato. They, they were, were called. Yeah. They were uh, Takayama and Akiyoshi. At yeah. The time. And um, what were they called? Cooley and Cooley Cross. Anyway, they had these really weird, crazy gimmicks. But um, Gato ended up teaming with Pat Tanaka for a while, and Jerry and I. Had some great matches with Pat Tanaka and Gato. They were great, actually. What was really great about Pat was the one time leaving Minneapolis for Japan, our flight was delayed a few hours. And I don't know how he did it, but he talked him into bumping us all up into first class. Pat! Yeah. <laughs> so that made that flight so much better. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's the first time I... That's, that was the first and only yeah. time I flew first class <laughs> all the way to Japan. Oh, wait. Yeah, but so, um, so Nick, uh, to get back to like what you were asking about and, and what Jerry just hit on, the thing is, Jerry, I wouldn't blame you if you were like kind of like a little bit like, what the fuck, man? Because you know, once I got hired, like, like, man, I was, and if you're not, if you're not working WWF at the time, it's hard to understand, but like, you're just gone and you're so. Like, you know, it's 300 days and like just worn the fuck out. And uh, and so, like, I'm pretty sure Jerry never heard from me again. So, like, you know, <laughs> seriously, man, Actually, I can I understand. I can first, understand. You know what? For a while, it bothered me. I never heard it from you again. But then, when you, no, wait, when you think about it, there were no cell phones back then. You know, you didn't have a phone on you 24 7. I couldn't tell you how many times I ran to a payphone with a pocket full of quarters you know yeah. so it was hard to keep in touch back then especially if you're on the road nonstop. and it was expensive calling long distance back then thank you for making excuses for me no i'm sorry <laughs> you're a good friend you did a really good job of really covering john's ass well <laughs> what are friends for <laughs> right? exactly. but in all reality that's the way it was back then it was yeah. hard to keep in touch when you're on the road full-time yeah. Yeah, and and like and also, you know, like you people are aware of my story once I got there and how I got caught up and shit and just, you know, I had my head up my ass for quite a 
quite a, quite a good portion of that too. So you know, it was hard well, to had, think of. I've had my uh, time frames with my head up my butt and a lot of drinking, and you know, yeah. didn't didn't have a care in the world about nothing. You know, just sure. the gypsy life on the road, and who gives a crap about anything? Yeah, basically. And you know, that was. I mean, there were times. I mean, people, when you look back at it, you and I broke in when it was still the Wild West. I was just, I was talking to Jericho about that a while ago. And it was, it was like the Wild West back then. Yeah. But it was because there was no internet. There was no, uh, there wasn't even Discman or Walkman yet, besides cell phones and iPods and whatever for entertainment. So you, that's why it was crazy back then. You did that so you wouldn't go stir crazy sitting in a hotel room every night. Yeah, or if, or you could do other things to keep them going stir crazy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, because like so, like Sean was over WF, but you were in WCW at the same time. Like, was that were the culture? I mean, like that was not the obviously the high point of WCW quite yet when you were there, Jerry. While Sean was kind of taking off in WWE, right? it it was getting there because that's when they had they already had the NWO formed and. You know, they had all the big guns there, so. Because you two kind of, you guys kind of passed like ships in the night there. There wasn't like a whole lot of crossover there. I don't know if I even saw you on WCW. Did I? No. Uh, no, 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 we, no. You were, WW, you were, you were WWF already like ECW. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was only in WCW for a year. Right. And then uh, went to ECW. Right, yeah, because that's what I was thinking. Yeah, okay. Hey, Chair. Hey, man. Um. How did the how did the GWF gig end for you? Because for me, I don't know if oh. you remember, like they were. Did you have like a a three hundred dollar guarantee? No. Oh, I, I think I was getting a buck and a half a night. Oh well, but, I, uh, I, they were paying like they were, at first they paid me like even if I didn't go like, but then they couldn't pay me anymore. So it was like they just quit bringing me down. You know, that's why I moved to Nashville again because yeah. they Eddie said they were using a lot of. Tennessee guys. So I yeah. moved down there. So if the budget got tight, you know, they, they would stop flying people in. So if you were there, they'd keep using you. But remember in uh, Minneapolis, I broke my ankle yeah. at Ropers. Yeah. That match. You, you dove onto me and, and your, your leg got caught behind me. I caught you. Someone so spilled a, up. someone spilled a drink on the dance floor and my foot hit it and just folded and broke my ankle. Yeah. Well, that was, I came back too soon from that broken ankle. I came back in six weeks instead of eight weeks, and I shouldn't have. So the whole time in global, my ankle was bothering me really bad. Wow. So I had the light heavyweight belt, and I was going to wrestle Barry Horowitz that night. And so I walked in the office. It was uh, uh, Eddie and uh, Craig. Yeah, Eddie Gilbert. And was it Craig, the announcer? Tall tall Craig. Craig. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I asked him, I said, is there any way we can get this belt off me tonight? I said, my ankle's been bothering me. I need to take some time off. And Eddie was in shock. He looked at Craig and says, you believe this kid? He's asking us to take the belt off of him. But, yeah, I had to take some time off. So that was a very valuable lesson. My first broken bone, you know, I came back too soon. So I always tell everyone, don't come back too soon. You'll end up taking more time off. So, hey, Jerry, this, like, talking about this now, it's making me think of when so originally I beat you in the tournament, right? For that belt. 
Mm-hmm. And then later on, it was like, was it the was it like a Christmas show or something? That like, sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. And I came back, and we had a two out of three falls match, and it will. It was like almost an hour, right? Like, to, like it was it, pretty close to an hour. The all three falls. It was. It was a while. It was almost was the whole the one, show. It was almost was the whole episode. The I just hated that it had to be with our finishers. Was that was what I was going to get to? That's what I was yeah. going to get to. The stipulation. It didn't ruin the match. But it really took a lot out of it, man. Yes. Yeah. Because we didn't know better at the time, right? No. And there were times where I think I instinctively covered you, like the yeah. one time. And then was it uh, James Beard? Was he the yeah. ref? Yeah. And he would tell me, hey, I can't count. It's got to be your finisher. And I'm like, you know, I like, oh. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, okay, for anyone that's wondering what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, we should go into that. I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna ask, but you guys were so lost. In that. <laughs> it's a two out of three falls for the GWF light heavyweight title. Uh, me versus Jerry, and we can. The stipulation is, is we can only win with our finishing move. And Jerry's was the sleeper hold, and mine was a tombstone pile driver. Er- I wish I would have kept the sleeper <laughs> instead of that stupid pile driver I've been doing all them years. I wouldn't have needed two new hips. Oh, really? Is that what that's from? From landing on my butt? No. First, you know, early in your career, it's a top rope leg drop. Then it becomes, yeah. 10 years in, a second rope leg drop. Then after a while, like, ah, I'll just do it from the mat. And then, you know, between that and uh, the cradle pile driver and sit out power bombs, who knows how many times I landed on my butt. So, yeah, your hips don't like that. But anyway. <clears throat> yeah, no. Well, that's good. Have you been doing the DDP yoga then, Jerry? Or no? Actually, yes. And uh, it helps my lower back a lot. Oh, awesome. I, I only do the basics. I'm still on. I like my favorite one is the uh, where it shows you're laying in bed and doing it. The third one. But I'm, I got a nice gymnastics mat at home. So I just do it on the floor. But that one helps my lower back so much. How is it for you getting to work? I mean, obviously Dallas, you you guys are in that AEW orbit. Like, kind of flash forward here a little bit. Like, how is it for you right now getting to still be like actively part of creating wrestling right now, Jerry, and like yeah. passing on your knowledge to the next generation of pro wrestlers at the moment? I love it. I mean, I you know every once in a while I'll do a seminar also, but um, you know you have some that you can tell it goes in one ear and out the other, and which is fine. You know, you'll yeah. find your own. I don't know. But then uh, when you see the light bulb go off in their eyes, that's that's the payoff. It's it's really nice when you have ones that really soak it in and learn. And I tell them first and foremost, even when I do seminars, everything I preach to you, I'm 100% guilty of. But that's how I've learned. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Hey, Chair. Hey, man. Um, what, like, it's, it's so cool. And it makes me feel so good to see – uh, you somewhere where you're obviously valued, right? You know, Tony Khan is obviously as well. He should be a big Jerry Lynn man, right? Like, and, um, it just makes me feel so good, man, because that's where you, you totally deserve it, man. Well, thank you. Thank you. I always hoped I made enough friends some along the way that I'd have a job afterwards someday. Cause it was, yeah. it was hard. It was hard having to quit. I went through like a, a two-year depression of drinking every day and you know yeah. it put my poor wife through hell but she's stuck in there and didn't you know she didn't ride me or 
give me any grief. She knew I would just, you know, run its course and I'd be fine. Hey, so like once you, once it ran its course, like, okay, since you just brought it up. So like when you, when you kind of were getting out of the, trying to get out of wrestling or whatever decision you had made, you, you went through, you had some rough times with it. And, um, well, um, I didn't have a choice. My body said it's done. And so I knew, you know, I never, I knew it was coming to an end. Yeah. Especially when, because while I was still wrestling full time, I had a knee surgery and a shoulder surgery. But then finally, I think it was uh, in 2010, I had to get lower back surgery. I had a ruptured disc and they had to go in and take a chunk out. And that put a whole different, you know, spin on things. Once you mess up your spine, that you're, that's a whole yeah. different ball game. And so uh, I couldn't wrestle full time anymore. And so my wife begged her boss to give me a job. So I, he gave me a job, thankfully, out in the warehouse. And But I still had to wrestle part-time to make the bills, you know, because sure. they didn't start and had a lot of money. But I could tell every time after every match, just wrestling part-time, my body's just screaming at me, what are you doing? And so I knew it was coming to an end. And then finally, and I, I just didn't know how to decide, you know, and she even kept, Pam kept asking me, how long are you going to be wrestling? I said, I don't know. I said, I know it's coming to an end, but I don't know. And I would think, okay, where do I want my last match to be? And then I would think, well, who would I want it to be with? And, and I, I, you know, I couldn't even think of it any, you know, and finally, I think I was wrestling in New Jersey for pro wrestling syndicate. I was wrestling, um, Dan Moff. Mm. And, we had a, you know, I did the little flippy cannonball off the apron on him. When he caught me, I don't know if he took a bump or what, but he hit his head on the floor and I didn't know. And he was concussed. And so after that, things were getting screwed up in the match. And we had a spot where he would overhead press me and I'd kick into a DDT out of it. And he, because he was concussed, he took a bad bump and got a bad stinger, which I didn't know at the time. I just knew something wasn't right. Yeah. And so on the finish, I had to actually pull him on top of me to pin me. And after the one, two, three, I told the ref to check on him. And so as, as soon as the one, two, three happened, he rolled out of the ring. And the ref came back and I said, is he okay? And he says, no, he can't feel his legs. And I said, oh, boy. So that's when the, the light went on. And I said, that's so why I thought, well, they're checking on him. I thought I'd eat up some time. And I grabbed the mic. And that's when I said, Uh, this is my last year wrestling. So, and that was in June. So I gave it, you know, I said, all right, now's the time I got to decide. And I, and it, it just made me realize I'm really pushing my luck here. Yeah. And that's that, like, then you decided to have your retirement match in Minneapolis. Well, I didn't know still, I, I knew I had, I had six months to go and I forgot how many regulars I used to have on the Indies because uh-huh. you know I worked only a year with WCW and a year with WWF and then you know ECW for about I don't know three and a half four years or something like that yeah. but all the rest of the time with Ring of Honor TNA I was still working Indies so like the majority of my career I still worked the Indies mm-hmm. and so I forgot how many regulars I had so the phone started ringing off the hook once mm-hmm. word got out that that was my last year. So I was thinking, all right, I'll have two matches a month. Well, I ended up having two matches, sometimes three a weekend. Wow. And it was killing me. I mean, I, yeah. 
I showed up at one show and the guy says, I want you to go 28 minutes with my oh. best guy. And I said, I can't do that anymore. I said, I'm quitting because my body's done. I said, put me in a three or a four way or something and, or a tag something. I said, I can't go out there and do it anymore. And plus what I did was after I decided that I was going to retire at the end of the year, I quit working out because every time I'd work out, I'd start feeling good. And I go, well, maybe I can go a couple more years. And I said, nope. So I quit working out entirely. That's why I went to the shirts team because I started looking horrible. <laughs> and so, but I didn't want to be tempted to keep on going. So ah. I just, so I quit working out and entirely and then uh so after when i got near into december of course there were other promoters calling saying can you just push it back we got our big show in january and blah 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 and so i kept i pushed it back another month then another month then kathy carlson called me up and she says uh so have you decided where you're gonna have your last match i said well i was thinking on a bigger indie out east you know i wanted it to be a you know a good decent sized show at least and not in front of 40 people right. you know? <laughs> and she says well she says uh heavy d wants to book a show and do it and promote the show for you and i knew he did great shows because he always would draw you know at least a thousand people like he would do big budget shows and stuff yeah Nick and, yeah so and so he uh he, she got me in touch with him and he said he wanted to book the uh, Minneapolis Convention Center. And I thought, well, that'd be great. That's nostalgic because that's where the old uh, AWA used to run mm -hmm. was there when it was. What was it called there? I can't remember. But anyway, I'm not sure if it was the same building by that yeah, time. But it was the same plot same, of land. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so I thought, well, that, that's pretty cool. You know, it's kind of nostalgic. But I couldn't think of who I wanted to wrestle. And uh and I was thinking about it and I thought, well, I knew you were still wrestling. And then I thought, well, none of us were doing singles matches anymore, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then I thought, well, Horace and JB were still wrestling. I uh -huh. thought, well, why don't I just have, you know, a four way with all, you know, three opponents that I had feuds with early on in my career. And that's just how it all came together. Yeah. And then like, um, Man, I have to apologize to you uh, publicly, Jerry. For what? Because, well, I don't know if publicly, but I'm I'm doing it publicly. <laughs> um, I mean, you must remember, I was awful to deal with that night. Like you would have thought it was my freaking retirement match. It, like it between was you ridiculous. and me, k this. It wasn't just you. Oh, really? Because it, it seemed like. Uh, Horace and JB had their own agendas too. It was weird, right? Was, like, and to tell you that it wasn't fun putting that match together because no. it was too difficult. And I yeah. just wanted to go out and have fun exactly. with my friends on my last match. And it was, it, I mean, we took a, I didn't even get to see any, none of us saw any of the show because we spent the whole show putting that together. And yeah. it, was, it was too much Pulling of a pain. Teeth. Yeah. It was pulling teeth. And it shouldn't and, have been that way. And you yeah, know? and it was your retirement match. And so like, but, my, my my apology is for my oh, part in that. No, it, you know what? It, it's okay because it when I when I looked back on it at later on that night, I just went, "Yes, this match, the way it took putting this match together, really affirmed that I needed to quit wrestling." Uh, <laughs> so, so Nick, so Nick, 
Anyways, <laughs> Nick. Anyways, yes. Um, you'll appreciate this. Thank you. Uh, we had. A, I thought it was it was a real nice match. Yeah. Right. Okay. So a couple of things happened. <laughs> <laughs> First, oh. I tear my asshole for the second time. Yep. Nick Nick was the manager of the guy I was working with the first time I tore my first, asshole. Jay. I, I had to throw boots. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I was kicking him on the outside, and I was like, I was like, hey, are you okay? And he's like, I ripped my asshole in half. I, <laughs> I need you to keep kicking me right now to, to yeah. buy time. And I, was, I don't know. You don't hear that every match. Yeah. You? So, like, I basically, <laughs> I, as soon as I landed, I was like, oh, I tore my asshole. And then, oh, and no. then, so we ended up doing, I don't know, five more minutes and everything still what? laid out. Okay. Dude, what? in retrospect, I'm shocked at how much you did that match, knowing how badly your asshole. Oh, was. dude. Yeah. Hey. And so, and the, like, to me, that wasn't the worst part. The worst part was the finish got screwed up and I blew a gasket. This is Jerry's retirement and the ref screwed the finish up. And I know he didn't mean to, but like, yeah. that was so important. Oh my God. So basically like I just came up with this on the fly that, yeah. okay, then Jerry's got to just beat everybody. So remember you just beat me. Beat, I think you pinned everybody, right? No, I, I pile drove you and I <laughs> pile drove Horace and you were yelling for JB to get in the ring. Yeah. He was out too. on the floor selling, but he wouldn't get yeah. in. So I don't know if he couldn't hear us and didn't know what was going on or what the deal uh, he's was. Just, but, no, he just wasn't going to do a job in Minneapolis. But that was fine. You know, it was it was just uh like I said, it just reaffirmed I really needed to quit wrestling. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a, it sounds like nothing else, a very memorable retirement match. Well, right? it's well here's the thing, it's Jerry's retirement and the news coming out of it all over news is uh not Jerry retires, it's Sean Waltman tore his asshole. <laughs> So it's just like Jesus Christ! Can't he just have one thing? Nah, that's you fine. Know? You know, that's my language, said. Jerry. Sorry about the language. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. I have. A, I, have a I, just, I felt bad for you, man. Uh, yeah. Twice. So then, so oh. then later, so then later, we're at the uh, the after party, and everybody's having a good time. And I just put my my tracksuit oh. on. I just put my tracksuit on over my gear. I didn't even take my gear off. And then all of a sudden, I felt a I sprung a leak. At the at the after party, and that was it, man. I had oh, to leave. I, I had to leave real quick, and next <sighs> thing I know, I'm in the hospital getting oh. a sphincterplasty surgery. <sighs> so yeah, sorry, Jerry. <laughs> hey, that's you know, I feel uh, bad for you. <laughs> uh, I have I have a feeling Jerry's retirement match is going to probably be making some news this week again. You know, because of this uh, exchange here right now. But uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> eh, we had some fun. We played with some yeah. toys. You know, it was. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, kind of back real quick to, to what you're doing now, Jerry. Like, yeah. like, you know, you work with Tony. Tony's a known huge ECW fan. You are so synonymous with the, the height of ECW. How is he getting to work with Tony? Like, obviously, I'm sure he has a great appreciation for you, Jerry. Oh, great. Well, the first thing he reminded me of was he said he used to race home after school so he could watch Sean and I on Global. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I said it. You're too uh, young. How old are you? <laughs> so you're too young to remember that. But he remembers everything. Yeah. But uh, no, it's great working for Tony. He's a really great guy. And he actually, like I've said this many times, uh, this is the best company I've worked for, even outside the wrestling industry, because you're treated like a human being and not just a number. All right. 
So, and, Jerry, yeah. the reason why I brought up, like, you know, like you started talking about having a rough time and, you know, making the decision to get out, did that affect your decision when the wrestling <clears throat> industry is trying to pull you back in? Uh, did you have to have second thoughts or think about it a little bit before you mean, took a job there? Oh, no, no. Because still along the way, you know, even because I was at that regular job for nine years before yeah. AEWs came up. But uh, I would still occasionally do an autograph signing or a convention or a seminar or something. So I was still dabbling a little bit in the business. I wasn't out completely. So but you it, have, have, have you ever felt like, did, have you ever been mad at wrestling? Have you ever been mad at the business? Oh, yeah. Bitter Are you kidding the- me? The first time I met Roddy Piper was at yeah. TNA, and I saw him after the show at TGI Fridays. And I, so I went and sat next to him. <clears throat> we talked for a while, and I told him, I said, you know what? I said, wrestling is a real love-hate relationship. I said, sometimes I hate the fact that I love it so much. And he said, that's mm-hmm. a great way of putting it. But, yeah, it, it's a it's a tough grind, you know. It's yeah. And it's very um, – it. You know, if you let it, it will, I mean, it does affect you mentally and emotionally, you know. Especially, like, when you love something more than the love you get back from it. Oh, my God, right? Yeah. It's a tough grind, you know, and it's more than a full-time job. If if you really want to pursue it, it's 24-7. Yeah. So, like, you have to do like we did, in my opinion, to really make it. Like, you just got to live it, breathe it. Like, oh, man. And you you can't stay home and wait for the phone ring i threw all my clothes whatever little few belongings i had in four boxes in my 80 plymouth horizon and i drove across country and i couldn't afford a hotel room i'd pull into a truck stop and sleep in my car you that know, yellow was, was that like a a, a light color yes, yellow rusty yeah, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> door handles broke from the winter yeah, yeah. there's a Near the end i had to climb in through the hatchback because none yeah, of the door handles worked yeah that thing <laughs> Drove that thing all over the country. Oh, man. <clears throat> I still, and, I still know a lot of guys that do stuff like that. I think some of them AEW dark, uh, you know, this past couple. Yeah, of years. that's what you have to do because yeah. we, Sean and I, would both get back home from the tour of Japan or something, and all the guys in Minneapolis would be going, "Well, why ain't I getting anywhere?" Well, the phone ain't gonna ring. You yeah. gotta go get it. Yeah, that was it, man. That's exactly what I was getting to a little, a little while ago. You know, it was just there was a sense of entitlement. And I understand it, Jerry. Like I'm not. Well, like, I don't. I, I don't blame them for feeling it because they were like, you kind of think that's the way it is, you know? Right. Especially if you're big and jacked yeah. up back then. That that's everyone thought that's all it took was the look. Yep. But in so I don't know. In some instances, that is what it all it took. But but uh, you know. Hey, Jerry, were you on the? Uh, like you know the stuff. Did you see the AW or the AW? The A and E. No, it wasn't the A and E. Oh my God, boy, I'm doing great what? today. Are you talking about Dark Side of Wrestling? Dark Side of the Dark Side of the Ring. Ring, yeah. With Dynamite Kid. Yes. Were you at that Michinoku Pro show that he was there? Like, so you no. weren't on that show? No, I think uh, that was after I was done with Michinoku. Oh, uh, okay. But uh, I always heard from a few of the guys in Minneapolis, some of the horror stories about this mm-hmm. Calgary stampede territory. And I said, and all the ribs and stuff. And I said, I'm never going up there because <laughs> it was mean ribs, not even fun, laughable ribs. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I said, Nope, that's one place oh, yeah. I'm not going. Yeah. No brutal. Like yeah. people getting their bed lit on fire while they're sleeping in it. Oh like, yeah. Your bag tossed out on yeah. the interstate. 
your parka, you know, like you get, they'll make a vest out of your freaking winter coat. And like, I mean, it was just really like, that's not even ribs, man. It was no. just mean spirited, just fucking yeah. evil shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. yeah. I mean, there was a couple guys from Minneapolis that came up to there that nobody would think twice about screwing with. Like, I guarantee you, nobody ripped Larry Lethal Larry Cameron. Oh no, no. And and even though he was a small guy, I guarantee you, nobody messed with Tommy Ferrara up there. Oh no, no. Yeah. So, but hey, hey Nick, is there some stuff you want to add to this? That's like from an outside perspective. It's not just Jerry and I, you know, like, like catching I- up on old times. No, well, that, that's the thing is I kind of long, long for the ride here for this one is, you know, I jumped in when I when I felt like, you know, uh-huh. but like the fans wanted to just see and hear you guys, you know, like you talk yeah. about Khan running home and he's a Chicago area guy. Right. I'm, I was born down in Texas. That was my my jam growing up. <laughs> um, but like, you know, there is such fond memories. And like, again, just thinking about you at AEW and like the style they do and like the fact that it's guys like the Bucks running the show. I would think that there's like a huge appreciation for you there. And it's got to be like, I would just think they're going to you all the time for just advice or input or just help just knowing the way that the influences their work and like how you just fall into that vertical for so many things over there right now. Well, some, you know, I usually, I'll get a lot of people ask me, but you know, a lot of them will say, when are you going to coach my match? I'll say, well, you got to ask for me, you know, and then the company will know, you know, that you enjoy working with me. And so I always just tell them, make sure you ask and raise my clout with the company, hopefully. Hey, so chair. Yeah. So, so like, yeah. Do you mind me asking like, how is that work there? Because I know I've heard people mention that it's not like, you know, WWE where like the, 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 the producer of the match on you and like, you know what I mean? Like over, like, <clears throat> you know, over like. You oh, I choose my spots because um, I, I could never do what they do. And I want them to paint their picture, you know, but I always try and, you know, let's, okay, let's first and foremost, what's the business of the match? Yeah. And then let's come up with an outline and then you guys put together what you would do. And then if something sticks out like a sore thumb, let's fix it. Yeah. And have it to where, you know, and, and I don't just, I don't just ever say, no, that sucks. I always say, well, that really doesn't work here. And here's why. And here's an example of what I would do or what I have done and of how it could be better, but do it how you would do it, you know, because so I just like that. I want them to paint their picture and do what they do because, you know, they're not going to, you know, like I said, I could never do what they do now. Sure. Yeah. But man, I know that, um, I would like to think, Jerry, that if we had someone like that back back when we were younger, like before we went, you know, WWF, all this shit, like I would I would like to think that we would have been open and receptive to that. Like, but I don't know. Like, well, I, there are certain things I remember, like from Baron Von Roschke and Sheik uh-huh. Adnan, because I learned a lot from them just from being on some, you know, a lot of indie shots with them. Like uh, Baron taught me. Um, never beg the crowd. You mean like someone? The- yes, someone had me in a big a bear hug, a big monster guy, you know, big guy, little guy match. I had me in a bear hug, and of course, I started doing this behind his head to get the crowd going. And oh, while you're back. in the bear hug, yes. <laughs> and 
I get in the back and Baron says, what the hell is that? He says, if someone's crushing your lower back, he says, would you actually be doing that? I said, no. He says, what would you be doing? I'd be, I'd be trying to get his hands off, you know? Right. So I always, I, I really reiterate to people selling and selling realistically. I tell them, you know, the days of the eighties, you know, jobber, crappie flop yeah. seller over sell realistically. Yeah. And, and I tell them like, that's one thing. First day of camp. That's what Brad said. He says, you want to be a good worker, learn how to sell. And they call it selling because that's what makes them buy it. The minute you stop selling is the minute they stop caring about you. Then they can sit back in their chair, breathe a sigh of relief and go, Oh, okay. He's okay. Instead of being on the edge of their seat going, come on. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's, that's what I really, and I, I learned, especially in ECW, because when I was in WCW, a friend of mine and I, we'd get together at two o'clock in the morning and watch ECW. And I swore up and down. I said, that's one company I will never work because <laughs> we're watching balls and Sandman trade yeah. chair shots and they're clocking each other with whatever the fans are handing over the rail, frying pans, microwave ovens, yeah. Super Nintendos, you name it. One time I saw the kitchen, like a kitchen sink got handed yeah. over the rail. So, but when it came time to go there, I learned real fast that the business is going to continue to change and evolve. And if you want to survive in the business, you have to be willing to change and evolve with it. But there are certain basic fundamentals and basic principles I will always stand by. And one of them is selling. And if we're not willing to try and suspend their beliefs, it's not fair for us to expect them to blow the roof off the place, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I preach that to a, a lot of the guys. Yeah, you know, Jerry, man, since you just brought ECW up, uh, you rose to the top in ECW without being that hardcore, you know, um, not that not that you weren't afraid to dabble in it because you and I beat the shit out of each other. I, I was telling know? someone we'd be in the middle of a spot show in North Dakota and we'd be in the locker room. We'd hear the people laughing because some of the other guys weren't very good. And right. so we'd look at each other and go, well, we got to kick it up a notch. So we'd add a chair shot and get color and then we'd get the people back. Botno, North Dakota. Yes, Botno. Yeah. That's what we drove the Marvin's Chevy Chevette up yep. there. Yep. And we took a wrong turn and ran out of asphalt and we were in a cornfield. Oh my God. That's right. <laughs> we yeah. bottomed out twice. I'm surprised that car still had oh an exhaust. That was a fun trip. But it anyway, just, yeah, yeah uh, in ECW, yeah, I knew I was going to have to, you know, do more stuff. But you and I always did that. Mm -hmm. anyway yep. yeah. yeah i just love you being like i would never go there and the next thing it's like well i guess i'll just write die in perino's <laughs> <blood." laughs> right. like, I, I wasn't getting hit in the head with the frying pan though that match either yes, hey man dude also i gotta bring this up man you know you went to roh ended up on top there too um, so on top I, of ECW, I, I hope, the hardcore, and on top of ROH, well, that their like their thing is wrestling. ECW is where I got fed up because I thought everywhere I went, I felt like I had more to offer, but no one was letting me. You know, with you and I, we were like Eddie would let us book our own stuff. You know, mm -hmm. but so. I just felt handcuffed everywhere I went. And then ECW, I would come up with some cool ideas for table spots or something. And I'd 
always get shot down when I'd ask for, for permission. So it was Justin and I, yeah. So Justin Credible and I, we had our big, uh, I think it was a two out of three falls match in the arena in Philly. And I told him before the match, before the show, I said, tonight, we're not asking permission to do anything. We're just going to go out there and do what we do. And that's when things started to change for me in ECW. Then I, I knew I, I wasn't going to get yelled at or bitched at. So I, after that, I just went out and did what I do, you know? Hey, man, if the checks are going to bounce, I'm at least going to get some creative satisfaction out of this shit. <laughs> right? <laughs> I at least want to go out and have fun, you know? But, and, yeah. and you know, Ring of Honor was hard because I got a lot of flack because I was an old guy in a young guy's company. So I was. Yeah, you were the best one there. I don't know about that. Well, you were right up there. They had a lot of great talent there. Yeah, but they, okay, technically. But like, okay, but you were right up there with them technically. And you're just, all the, you just, I mean, the total package, Jerry. The, 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 the psychology, like you just, yeah, dude, don't sell yourself short. Get out of here. Well, I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was (laughs) what I'm trying to think. What was it, 2009? So I was, I was 40? 46 when I was in Ring of Honor. <laughs> yeah. Oof. So it wasn't easy keeping up with those guys. But at the same time, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. There were times I felt like I was the only one selling in the ring. Uh-huh. And that would get yeah. frustrating because here I am selling my butt off for you and you're not selling a thing. But, you know, that's just part of the learning process for yeah. them, you know. Yeah. But, uh but uh, I hope, you know, that they brought me there and gave me that push because they liked my work, you know, not just because yeah. it was of a, a playoff. Uh, I know, and I know they were playing it off that movie, The Wrestler. Yeah. But, but I hoped it wasn't just because of that. Yeah, because when I thought about you in that 2009 ROH era, because, like, that's immediately what comes to mind to me as I remember your name being tossed around as, like, not the inspiration, but one of, like, kind of the people that Mickey Work was a little bit based off. He even had kind of that look with the blonde box and everything. I hope it wasn't based off me. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, come on. No, I, it was a, comp- I can, a composition, I think, is of, of many people. But I just remember yeah. you turning that mixer on there. Jesus, I mean, like, I people would ask me about that movie, and I would say, like, yeah, man, like, that's a, you know, like, kind of like a, it's a pretty common story. Like, a lot of a lot of us can relate to certain parts of it. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? So like, yeah, it was, it was fairly accurate. I said, but like at the same time, man, like, like that's not like there are, you know, not every ending is a sad ending. Like not right. every story ends tragically. Like, right. you know, we can, we can, you know, write our own stories here. Like I'm doing right mine and you're writing yours. Like, you know, it's not like I'm determined. For my story not to end tragically or sad. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. Uh, I, you got good people around you. I'm going to do my best to make sure that you don't wind up sleeping on the side of the road. So uh. figures. That's, that's <laughs> goal, right? But yeah, that, that was, I went and saw that movie with Erica when she was, I think she was 15 or 16 at the oh, Uptown wow. Theater. Yeah. And uh, the part where he's walking with his daughter on the boardwalk, I just lost it. I started, I started bawling in the theater Ooh. and I said, I'm sorry to Erica and Cause you know, I wasn't there for half her life. So it was rough seeing it with her. Yeah. But, but yeah, like you said, it's a common story with, you know, I'll bet you just about every wrestler can relate to some parts of that movie. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we have, uh, we've taken you past the, 
the time we told yeah, you. Yeah, Jerry, I'm sorry, man. Oh, I don't mind at all. Uh, <laughs> I know, but here's the thing. So this is coming out on Thursday, right? If you're listening to this, right, watching it right now for free. Hi. Uh, Thursday night, right? And in the long run, this will not be a plug. But tonight, they can go find you and Sean on your show. Yes. Jerry, a little bit more time, right? Oh, um, yeah. Uh, not tonight. I think they're, we're shooting. I don't want to. I got a kayfabe. They'll, they'll, they'll advertise when it's going to air, but okay. You know. okay. All right. I thought it was live this Thursday, but anyway. Okay. Oh, I just said Thursday. Okay. So I had a glitch or something. No, yeah. I'm pretty, they're announcing. Oh, yeah. 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 Live Thursday. I'm sorry. I thought you said tonight. And I'm yes. like, no, not tonight. Well, this, this, this comes out on Thursday. <laughs> if you're listening, yeah. Thin, this episode. I'm, Thursday right morning, you know? I'm killing your gimmick. <laughs> no, everyone knows. All right. Yeah. Right. No. No one thinks okay. it's all the way live. No. Right, no. Cool. No. No. Cool. If you want, if you want more, uh, Thursday, uh, yeah. June twenty fourth, eight p.m. Eastern. Uh, where can people go to find you, support you, hear you guys, all yeah. that kind of stuff, Jerry? Oh, it'll be on. It's Front Row Material. Is the name of the podcast. So you'll find it, I guess, everywhere. And, but uh, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, me and Mikey Whipwreck started it. Uh, gosh probably two and a half years ago or so. But I think this year we've taken a hiatus. So our co-hosts have been doing it, but I'm going to hop on there with you Thursday night. Right yeah. on. Because like as much as we've talked about, like in this hour, like there's still plenty left that we have. Oh gosh. About. There's a lot. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. We never even hit on the movie much. Not yeah. Getting or beat up by Jason Gedrick. Yeah. Exactly. There's a lot. Yeah. A lot of like, yeah. So I'm looking forward to, Diving into some of that um, with you in a few days. Yeah. Or tonight, awesome. depending on. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's magic. All right. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, everybody. Uh, I'm really excited to be joined right now uh, by one of the really uh not only is he great at what he does, but just one of the best people I've met like in and around the pro wrestling industry in quite a while. Um, incredibly talented, Josiah K. Williams. Josiah. How you doing, man? And good, right man. You, I feel like you're also somebody who just has that good energy, that good spirit to him. So right back to you. I Look, I have, I've, tried, I've, I've done some work on myself over the past several years. Uh, to try to get to this place. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I appreciate you noticing. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, I was checking up. Like you went to you went to theater school. Like you're. Hey, did you Nick? Did you know he's from Milwaukee? Right up the right up the road from you. I did. I did. I was also doing my research and noticed you guys were right from around the same place. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Proud, born and raised, man. Yeah, and you, and you like you went to theater school and like. Um, I just, I'm, I was really impressed, man. How, but how did you, how did you get hooked up with the, with wrestling? Man, I mean, so I, I wouldn't say I've always been a fan, but probably since yeah. like fifth grade, sixth grade, um, I, I just fell in love with it, and yeah. I kept up watching WWE over the years. I always made music, and I wanted to do something that was kind of different than than what I was putting out. So. Anytime I released an album, I would always try to do something, take a break and, and move in a different direction just to clear my mind and, and you know, get new ideas. And yeah. wrestling was one of those things, you know, a huge part of, of wrestling is music. Um, yeah. So I started remixing their theme songs for 
all the different companies. You know, I did some stuff for WWE, some stuff for New Japan, Ring of Honor. And uh, WWE saw it after the first video, which was super crazy. And that's all due to, you know, Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era. Yeah. Um, just those guys sharing the video. They hit me up. I did an audition at Monday Night Raw. I did another one at NXT about a few months later. And then, you know, nine months after launching Wrestling Flow, eight months, whatever it was, I was in WWE. So it yeah. happened so fast, man, like crazy. Yeah. Like one of the coolest things it was, and I don't, you had been there for a minute and like, I can't remember what exactly had happened, but like, um, anyways, I don't, they had just, all I know is you opened the show and you crushed it, man. Oh, you know what man. I'm talking about? Yeah, that was, talk, uh, talk about that and what it was. That was the night after Survivor Series or the yeah. NXT after Survivor Series. Um, so, you know, going into Survivor Series, I did something for fun. Just I always like to every once in a while just do a surprise, just drop a track. Yeah. And, you know, had some fun talking about how NXT was better than Raw and SmackDown and that we were going to just demolish them at, at Survivor Series. Um, so we get back. And I'm I'm just doing whatever work I was supposed to be doing that day. Shawn Michaels walks in. He said, "Hey," and you know, first of all, Shawn Michaels is one of those people that like he he's quiet. He's to himself. So I didn't even know he was talking to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he got my attention. He's like, "Hey, Josiah, I, I I like that video that you did for Survivor Series. We want you to do that live tomorrow." And I was like, "Wait, what? Really? <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm down." Um, so, you know, we, we had some ideas, Triple H had some ideas and through some coaching and some, some encouragement, you know, they, they let me do that, that next, that next day. And it was so fun because the entire roster came out to party with everyone. And it was, it was, and all the crowd, the people, everybody, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It was just, man, I got goosebumps watching that Josiah. It was that great, man. And I was just like, and like, I, you know, like, I had seen and heard some of your stuff prior to that, but that just blew me away, man. I, man, I was just, man. wow, man. I, I'm not sure if you know what I'm talking about, Nick, but I, it was, yeah. I do because, well, I cover everything. I, I, I run Wrestling Inc., but yeah, of course I saw it. And like the thing I think about you, Josiah, and the thing that really across all the pundits when we're, I was doing shows talking about that was just like you have a cool factor, right? Like there's a certain cool factor that comes along with what you do and bring to it that like I don't want to bury any one show or another, but like a little bit of what you bring to the table brings a younger demo in, makes it feel a little hipper, and like just in general the way you are. I don't. I would love to know more about your working relationship with Hunter and, and the other agents because the way NXT has been able to just bring music into the product and make it just a regular thing has really made it stand out. And it's not like a rock and wrestling or rock and hip hop thing. It's done in a really cool way. And I thought that was an excellent use of it. So that's that's my take on it and, and my two cents. So. Although I do wish, don't mean to jump in before you get a chance to reply to that, Josiah, but like <laughs> I do wish there was a little bit more uh, like hip-hop type stuff because, you know, uh, Hunter's a metalhead, right? From right, Canada. right. So <laughs> <laughs> That was one of the things I told him coming in. I'm like, you know, I know this is your thing. I know yeah. that, that metal is your baby. I understand that. If you just give me a couple of opportunities to drop a little bit of hip hop in there and 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 to reach, you know, of course, WWE talks about trying to reach everybody, right? Yeah. They're, they're a corporate entity. That's that's a big thing. So I'm like, if you want to reach everybody, 
I, I offer something that metal may not reach to other demographics of people. So, you know, let me, let's, let's try that a little bit. Um, and it's, it is cool. I mean, even right now being able to see what Isaiah Swerve Scott, Brianna Brandy, AJ Francis, Ashanti the Adonis is doing with hit row. Yeah. That's, I that's, feel that's like the best thing on, that's the best thing on NXT right now. It is. It is. And I was, I had a chance to talk to them the day of their, their debut. And I'm like, you know, this is something that, of course, we've seen John Cena. Mm -hmm. We've seen Crime Time. We've seen a bunch of people who embody either rap music, just like the hip hop culture in general. I think what separates them is that this is this is much more authentic than some of those things. Yeah. And and yeah, and that's of course not taken away from anything that anybody has done. I'm not that type of person, but it's like this speaks in a way that nothing else has ever spoke, especially in WWE. So I think it's, it's amazing. Um, it's going to be really cool to see what, what they do moving forward. Yeah. And I, and I hope the company embraces it more. So back to kind of Hunter being a metalhead, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did, he, did, he, did he in NXT, like, did they start to see it a little bit more? Was it something that they, like you could see kind of a change where their perception of hip hop in this culture was, was morphing kind of in front of your eyes? Yeah, yeah. I think I think they understood that NXT was the show that was bringing in a different audience, um, and there was room and, and and possibility to do that. So the the first thing was um, well, actually, let's go back. I did a track for Zia Lee, uh, uh, probably within my first few weeks, that never made it out. Um, they showed it just mm -hmm. kind of internally. And it was fun. It was cool. It, it really showed off what she can do um, with just some of her skills. And we never had a chance to, to do anything with it. But I think it caught the eye of a few people. Um, after that, I was in a, uh, a or not a press conference. What's it called? A, a, a conference meeting, whatever. Yeah. And I found Produ out. Production meeting? Yeah, something, something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I found out that I uh, was going to be doing the entrance for Adam Cole at TakeOver 25, complete surprise. So once again, here's this, this opportunity to just try to infuse something different. And that was, of course, like the biggest possible platform to do that. It's a title match in the main event of the 30th anniversary or 25th anniversary, excuse me, of TakeOver. So that's a, that's a, that's a big platform. And I had some ideas. Uh, Hunter had some ideas and we kind of collaborated on that. We rehearsed it maybe only twice, I think. Um, and he was like, yeah, just have fun, do what you do. And Road Dog was a, was a big influence in that one yeah. too, of just saying, look, if you want to be a star or if you want to showcase what you can do, this is the one, this is going to be the opportunity to do that. And I wasn't nervous. I was I was fine with it. I was just like, I don't want to mess up, right? Because <laughs> that's embarrassing. Um, and I just I I don't want them to look at it and say, oh, I wish we did this or I wish we did that. Um, it's fine if I do that in my head. I just don't want Triple H to do it. So I said, <laughs> look, I'm gonna give you everything. Um, because coming in, you know, my my first interaction with him was was two or three months before I got hired. Yeah. And they said, hey, you know, introduce yourself. And he's like, no, I know who he is. I've seen his videos. And I was like, what? Feels good, right? Right. 
So I always remembered that. And I'm like, okay, if, if he remembers what I do, I, I, I want him to see my best and I want to be able to give mm. my best. So yeah. yeah, we had a few opportunities to collaborate. Um, the last one was Takeover Vengeance Day. Huh? I did a just a, you know another thing promoting the event and either Road Dog or somebody saw it and it's like, well, why isn't this the the cold open for the show? And within th like two hours, that's that's what it was. Um, so we did that, and then the Cameron Grimes yeah. or the the new song in the same day. Um, and it's crazy because you know the world of wrestling at three o'clock. If you get told something, you go do it, and you have to have it back before six o'clock or whatever it is before. Oh, no, the there you do. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, nope, I'm gonna make this work. So there were there were some really cool opportunities, and I think I think that um, the world of music of NXT is gonna continue to expand, especially with people like Alicia Taylor around. Yeah. Right. You know, Rick Boogs. Um, Beth Phoenix. There's so many people who have musical interests and that have like experience in music that NXT yeah. is just gonna go crazy. Hey Josiah, hey, um, did you have any any experience performing live prior to that? Like, or were you just like mainly, you know, uh, recording stuff? A lot, a lot more recording, but yeah, the the biggest. So I've done you know church crowds with as yeah. small as ten people. And I had one opportunity to do a uh, a couple of performances at this this youth conference called the ELCA Youth Gathering in uh in New Orleans, I think. And that was thirty thousand people, and that was like crazy. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of remembered that in my mind of like if I can if I can do this here in front of these kids. <laughs> Like I can, I can make this work in the world of professional wrestling. Um, and you know, I, I, I figured it out. I was ready. You make it happen yeah. and you communicate. It's storytelling. So just tell the story. Hey, so, you know, I would see when I would come down like on a monthly basis, I would run into you all the time down there in Orlando. Uh, you know, but it would, we would be past maybe say, Hey, or what's up, you know, but like, I don't know what you did like on a daily basis. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I had two job titles. Um, I was on-air digital talent. So the easiest way to to kind of put that in, in people's minds is Kathy Kelly. She was yeah. an on-air digital talent. Mackenzie Mitchell. Um, all the people on the bump, they're all on-air digital talent. So you find a, you find kind of your way to communicate with the the WWE universe and and uh, whether it's through um, interviews. Whatever. I, I tried everything. I did ring announcing a couple times for NXT. Um, I, of course, created music and, and fun stuff that they use even still for commercial breaks and all that. So, like, how do you communicate on air and digitally there? And then the other side of it was I was a content creator. So at NXT, most times I'm holding a camera. I'm filming behind the scenes. I'm, you know, if what's a good example, Bronson Reed. Uh, goes for the NXT North American Championship. I'm gonna follow him the whole day, along with the the content innovation lab, and we create the packages that are after matches. You know, sometimes before matches yeah. that tell that that full story. Um, so yeah, there were, there were a few of us in there that that did that, and it was it was cool because you get the the experience both on camera and behind the scenes, and and, and holding the camera as well. 
working with Cornell on a daily basis doing all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cornell Gunther. There's, there's love there's, you, there's Cornell. People. Yes, of course. Love, I love him, man. And it's that was one of the coolest things of being able to come in and have somebody that I can work with on a day to day basis. But that was like, I like this guy. <laughs> we clicked immediately. So yeah. it's to have that environment and to have somebody like that. It was, it was dope. He made the little mini doc. Uh, on me prior to the uh, 2019 Hall of Fame, like when yeah. I, I was down there. Yeah, so I got to know him real well and like stay, I, I love that guy, man. I don't know if you remember this because that was like technically my, my first day and first ever WrestleMania weekend attending anything, but I was there with you, um, following you and, and recording you. Oh uh, yeah, okay. Day. So my shot, this is my first ever like big, big shot in, in wrestling was you guys <laughs> on the Jeep going out and everybody losing their mind. I'm getting goosebumps oh, yeah. thinking about it. Like yeah. being able to hold the camera and, and follow you guys out. That was, that was a cool, oh, man. cool. I was so nervous. You, I don't know if you remember, man. I was so yes. nervous. Like I was trying to write notes and like, and nothing like I, I ended up just everything I tried to come up with beforehand, just out the window, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you know this, but we actually have something in common. So you, you were you were pretty nervous before before that. Yeah. And of course, it was fine. It was great. I was pretty nervous. And I mean, like ridiculously nervous before the Survivor Series entrance oh, okay. the afterwards. And it was because, you know, Triple H liked what I wrote, but he wanted a couple of tweaks. So I wrote a whole new verse to perform the next night. Yeah. And I've never done that before to like to write something and then record it or not record it to perform it the next day. So I in my mind, I had the the old version and I couldn't remember the new lyrics and I just kept forgetting it. And I felt like I was letting him down, you know, what I mean, by forgetting it. And he's like, come here. Put some confidence in there. <laughs> like he kind of did the same thing to me before yeah, we went exactly, out. Remember? Exactly. And it was like. It, yeah. it just it clicked as soon as we went live it was perfectly fine yeah. but i was so nervous man like and i've never been nervous about anything before and it was just because it was new lyrics you know what i mean so mm. it was a cool experience to, yeah. to have somebody say you know we believe in you we just want you to believe in you Dude. I, I, again a brief moment of collaboration with uh hunter and hip-hop there as he's uh asking you to put together bars based right on right <laughs> Hunter liked the like. Well, obviously we had the the you know our DX song like it was patterned after like Rage Against a Machine, which was like a yeah. rock hip hop kind of fusion, you know. Um, so it's not like he hates hip hop; he's just a metalhead, you know. Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, and I mean he liked the Run DMC. Like he was done with the Run DMC yeah. ver version of DX. Um, dude, one of the greatest things ever in my career, Josiah, was having Run DMC do my theme our theme music. <laughs> there's nothing me, greater man? than that man nothing nothing <laughs> that's nothing, a, and man. it's cool because like the original obviously is iconic i mean that'll that'll go down in history it already has but being able to refer to a remix that run dmc is run a part DMC. of is something that no one else can can really point to man i couldn't that's believe crazy. it i couldn't yeah. believe it when they said that Oh man! And then I couldn't, I couldn't make the when they were shooting the video. I couldn't make it, like, because I had family time, and like, I was, I was actually even thinking about, um, about you know, um, taking a day away from my family to go shoot the video. But 
I just, I couldn't do it to my family, man. So, oh, I was devastated not being there for this video shoot. Oh, uh, man. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Everything what? happens for a reason, man. Well, yeah. Man. Hey, so, Joe, oh, go ahead, Nick. Well, I was going to talk. I just wanted to double back real quick because you, you mentioned how you were like a part of the Cameron Grimes. Did you write Cameron Grimes' current theme song that he has right now? Yes. So that um, I was just here at home I'm on, a, on a Friday. Road Dog texted me that morning and uh, he said, hey, we have this really cool idea to, to do something uh, for Cameron Grimes, just maybe like a music video. Um, and we're wondering if you can write something to it. And I woke up that day, I don't know why, but I was just in a creative mood. And I got him the lyrics back in about an hour and a half, uh, both verses. And he's like, this is, this is crazy. Um, so he sent it out to Hunter, he liked it. Um, that Sunday- You laid it down, you, you recorded it and sent it to him or you just wrote it, you just put, no, put the lyrics? I just, yeah, I just did it in my phone. Uh -huh. um, I wrote it and then just did like a voice sample so they could hear it. So this is the, this is the Friday before Vengeance Day. Vengeance Day, I get there and they show me they, they created, you know, WWE Music created this beat for it and it was it was amazing. And I'm like, yeah. but they used they used the voice recording. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. No, 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 no. If you're gonna debut this on a on a pay-per-view event tonight, I need to go home and re-record this. So I, I left, I re-recorded the song. Dude. I came back, and this is also at the same time that they're trying to figure out how are we going to use the cold open, how are we going to use the song that he did just for Twitter as the cold open. So I'm like trying to get two different songs recorded, Holy. mixed, mastered, and sent back to get approved for that night. Um, so they had already did like a quick little music video. This is a credit to Jeremy Borash and, and Jimmy Long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's within a matter of 48 hours, uh, that's how that song came to be. And then there was one day, it was actually my birthday, March 3rd for NXT. And I see that they changed, you know, the, the, the Tron and the graphics for Cameron Grimes. And I, they ended up using it as a theme song once, and then it just, it just turned into a thing. So a random Road Dog and Triple H idea turned into me actually being a part of my first WWE theme song. And it's yeah, man, because you took crazy. that little idea and that opportunity and just Dude, bam, that, that, song, apart. that song bumps as millennials. My girlfriend and I both, we really like the Cameron Grimes character. And <laughs> when I hear that particular song, I get like, I get excited. The whole package, dude. Like, it's great. I'm so happy you're a part of that, man. man it was, it was, thank you, man. It was such a, a blessing to be a part of. And, you know, you, you dream of stuff like that. Oh, yeah, one day I'd love to have a, a, a WWE theme song or even just be a part of one. And on a random Friday, it might happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so, Josiah. Yeah. About your release, man. I was incredible. Like, man, I was bummed out. I mean, obviously not nearly as bummed out as you. <laughs> <Me> <laughs> But I was like, man, ugh. Um, but man, like a couple days later, did you, Nick, did you see Josiah's uh, video resume? I did not see the video resume. Holy crap. We need to, like, we should have played it on the show. It's amazing, <laughs> man. Okay. Nick, it's amazing. Okay, that's fine. Put, Keep going. Yeah. Oh, 
anyway, so, um, you know, I played, I, I, like I was telling Josiah before we started recording, before you joined join the, uh, the room, Nick, sure. um, you know, my wife is big. Anyways, my wife's like, She's well, great. That's what she is. My wife is amazing. <laughs> She's amazing. And, um, I showed her that, and she just couldn't believe it, man. It was, like it was so great, uh, man. Like any luck, man. Any anybody uh, hit you up? Wanted to hire you because you need to hire this man. Do you want me to play this? I have it pulled up. Yes. Can you play it? <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm gonna play it. I'm gonna play it. We're gonna put it on the screen. One second. So one second. I'm gonna share this here. All right, there's the gimmick. Let me bring this thing. Next job, I can't see it, but I know that it's there. Wrestling and Bell is coming back again, but why the people looking at the game? It's just incredible. It's really good. It's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. In regards to you know, in regards to you know, just engineer, just man. Well, but see, that's the thing. It's like this is like your Moxley Prison Break video. This is your. Yes, it is. This is your statement piece, and this is what people need to be doing more of. This is how you capitalize on that momentum and value in that moment. This is really good. Hey, Josiah, just yes, uh, like a side note. Hey, man, I don't like. I don't know if I've done a good job, but I've been trying to be real mindful of uh, my language during the segment. <laughs> well, just because, man, like, not that you, not that you necessarily care, but like, uh, like if you have somebody coming on here to watch this, I don't want to embarrass you. You know, like, oh, you know no, what I mean? With dropping the f bomb left and right. Or... <laughs> be, be yourself. Be yourself completely, man. But <laughs> no, I appreciate it. <laughs> no so the the idea behind this i mean i wanted to i realized the the statement that i was able to make to get to this point to be a wwe employee and it was from video so in my mind it's like as soon as i found out as soon as the guy told me hey your position has been terminated okay all right, so now I have to figure out what's what's next. No right. pun intended or pun intended, whatever. Um, and I I realized also, okay, so I have to get my work in front of a bunch of people, one. I have to be able to explain what I did, two. Because I think, you know, kind of like you said, there's, there's this idea of, okay, that's the guy in NXT, that's Josiah, that's Wrestling Flow, yeah. whatever. But we don't exactly know what he did because so much of what I did was behind the scenes. Exactly. Okay, so let me tell you that I produced, filmed, directed, and cut a, a, a music or a TV show. Um, let me tell you everything that I did, but also I want to be able to show that I'm that I'm staying positive, that I'm ready for whatever is next, and that if I don't get a call back from this place, 
I'm looking at all these other places oh, yeah. that I, you know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm absolutely yeah. 100% ready. Um, yeah, that's not, if you don't get a call back, it's not, uh, it's not because you haven't done everything, you know, that, you know, that a person should be doing yeah, in, in your situation. So that was kind of a, a big part of it too. Cause you know, I'm somebody who believes that, that God has a plan for each and every one of us. So there, there could be that possibility of what if, what if professional wrestling is not in the plan moving forward, right? Or it was just part of the journey, right? Right, or part of the journey. You never know that. So it's like, okay, well, let me do what I can on my end to say, hey, here's what I can do and I'm available. And if I get the calls, perfect. And if I don't, I'm not gonna sit around and cry about it because I was able to live a dream. And I know that my dream helped other people in so many different ways. So whether it's Cameron Grimes walking to the ring or whether it's, you know, some little black kid at home, that's like, I can actually do that. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to go out with a bang. If, if I'm going out, I'm going out with a bang. Sure. And, you know, having, you know, I've, I've shaken hands with um, people like Mick Foley, but I've never had that, that, you know, good time to sit in dialogue. And for someone like him, to say, oh, I'm gonna follow this guy now and I'm gonna share this with my people because I just saw this and I'm impacted by it. Like that really, really, really meant a lot. Um, so if it if anything happens, I'm I'm ready. If not, this was a it's only a matter of time, Josiah. <laughs> it's only a matter of time, my friend. Yeah. Thanks, man. You just gotta stay positive. That's it. That's all you yeah. can do. Hey man, um I really I was man, I really uh was hoping you'd come on today. And so thank you for doing that, man. Like, no, thank uh, you for inviting me. Yeah. Um, and uh, like I said, man, you're the right, like you're going, somebody's got to hire you. And, and like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a matter of time, man. You're, you're an amazingly talented uh, individual and a wonderful human being, Josiah, that um, I'm honored to know you, man. And I appreciate you coming on the show today. No, man, right back to you. It's 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 incredible to be able to, you know, you see the people, we see you on TV, we hear you mentioned in, in lyrics, <laughs> like you're yeah. a legend. So <laughs> when you when you start to finally meet people and realize they're just they're people. Yeah. You're a you're a normal guy. And 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 what what really hit home for me is that you're someone who you also have a story. You've also been through a lot and people, whether they're people in, in companies or people who are just watching are, are impacted by you and they see that they can make changes because of you. They see that they can live a, a, a different life because of you. And that's, yeah, you're that's not amazing. hopeless, man. Yeah. There's hope. Yeah. There's hope. For everyone. There is hope. So yeah, I appreciate man. that from, from you and uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So thank both of you guys for allowing me to even be here. No problem. And before we let you go, where can people go to find you, follow you, support you, all those great things right now, Josiah? Um, man, uh, all of my social media platforms are at J Dean Williams. Dean is my middle name. Um, you can check out my stuff from WWE. You can check out my stuff from AEW. You can check out my stuff from Ring of Honor. I mean, there's a little bit of something everywhere. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure if you search wrestling flow or Josiah Williams, you'll be able to find a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Cool. Josiah, right. thank you so much, my friend. Hey, no, thank I, you. hey, man, I look forward to running into you somewhere, man, like in the in the near future. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. It's going to happen. Take, take care, my friend. Thank cool. you. You too. Joe Sai K. Williams, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>
You go first. <laughs> All right, so Tim has won the honors because Sean is too cool to do anything that embarrasses his children. Everyone remember Absolutely. that, by the way. And I hope your kids, by the way, hear this, and then they respond to us. They're like, well, that's not true. Dad does a thing or two. Anyway, all right. So here it is. Uh, Tim, true or false? Uh, in WWF, Rocky Johnson, father of The Rock, and Tony Atlas, their tag team name was the Soul Patrol. Is that true or false? I think that's false. I'm sorry. That is correct. That is true. Tony well, Atlas and Rocky Johnson were known as the Soul Patrol. You look like you knew that, Sean. Yeah, I knew it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, no. Point. I wonder why they called him that. I don't know. Because. Right, anyways. Oh, yeah. Soul, Soul <laughs> Man Rocky Johnson, I guess maybe. All right. All oh right. yeah, that's right. He was called Soul Man Rocky Johnson, wasn't he? Yeah, I've got his book over here. It's called Soul. Yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah all that's right. right. Oh. Anyway. Yeah. All right. So Sean, back to you, and now on you. According to Bob Orton Sr., father of Randy Orton, uh, he had an incident in 1986 with Roddy Piper where he wound up naked and drunk on the roof of a hotel and was shot three times by police tasers. True or false? Well, who's is this for? For me? Yeah, this is for you. Is that? True? Oh well. First of all, I have to correct you, Nicholas. <laughs> Sorry. Randy Orton's. Father is Bob Orton Jr. Bob oh. Orton Jr.'s father is Bob Orton Sr. Okay, never yes. mind. So this is okay. The Bob, this is Bob Orton Jr.'s dad. Still, I'm not out of line though. But Bob Orton Sr. is who I looked up here. Is it true? Yeah. In 1986, with Roddy Piper, he wound up wound up naked and drunk on a roof, being tased three times by police tasers. Uh, I'm gonna go with true. That is true. That is a real thing that happened. It is crazy, and I just felt wow. like included on this list. Yeah, back in the day. All right, over to you, Tim. So Vince McMahon Sr., father of Vince McMahon Jr., he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, the WWE Hall of Fame, in 1992. Is that true? I'm going to say false. I think it was a little later than that. You are correct. He was not inducted until 1996. So you guys are tied one apiece now. So Good job. Wow. Your Hall of Fame knowledge there. All right, Sean, back to you. Vince McMahon Jr., father of Shane McMahon and Stephanie helped to promote evil Knievel's infamous motorcycle jump over Caesar's palace fountain. Yeah, no, he didn't. No, he did not. That is false. Do you know what he did help promote for evil Knievel? Snake river Canyon. He did. Vince McMahon jr. Had a hand in the snake river Canyon. Huh? Uh, yeah. Promote. The, the guy. So in the, in the, um, in the movie that Jerry Lynn and I did that we talk about, like, Oh, Okay. You know, a little bit, you know, crossing the bridge. The guy that got us that gig, his name was Kai Michelson. He made the rocket. Yeah. Oh, the really? for, for Evil Knievel. Cool. Yeah. He also, like, uh, anyways, yeah. The rocket man, Kai Michelson. He also discovered Medusa. I did not know that. Wow. All of these things <clears throat> came from an Evil Knievel reference. Okay. Yeah. Two to one in favor of Sean. Back to you, Tim. Rick Flair, father of Charlotte Flair has won the Wrestling Observer's Match of the Year Award four different times. True or false? At least four, I would think. So I'm going to say true. It is true. Yes, Ric Flair, Match of the Year four different times. All of them, I believe, before 1989, by the way, um, if you want to go check online. So that's two apiece. Back to you, Sean. Ted DiBiase, father of Mike Ted Jr. and Brett DiBiase appeared on the WWE Raw 25th anniversary episode playing poker with the Acolytes Protection Agency. True or false? Uh, 
I don't remember that. False. That is true. That is actually right. what he did. He did on that show. So we are now uh, back to two apiece. I think it's time for you to maybe take the lead here, Tim, if you can. Jim Neidhart, father of Natty Heidhart. He played for the Kansas City Chiefs and the Minnesota Vikings in practice and preseason games before becoming a pro wrestler. True or false? I think I remember. I'm going to say false. I think he might have been with the Vikings, but not the Chiefs. Wow. Wow. It was. He played for the Raiders and the Cowboys. So you were right. That was bullshit. So that's three to two. Um, all right, back to you, Sean. Davy Boy Smith, uh, Davy Boy Smith, father of Harry Smith, so the British Bulldog, joined WCW in 1997, and he had his very first feud with Diamond Dallas Page. Is that true or false, Sean? I don't remember that. False. False. His first feud was with Mongo McMichael when he jumped to WCW. Three apiece huh. here. All right, um, I'm going to go to you, Tim. Fit Finley. Father of David Finley competed in Pro Wrestling Guerrilla's Battle of Los Angeles in 2011. True or false? Oh, wow. I'm going to sound like Sean on this one. I don't have a, a clue at all. Uh, let's guess false. It was true, actually. Finn oh. Finley competed in the 2011 BOLA. Wow. All right. And, Sean, uh, it's three apiece here. I think this would put it away. And this is also my last question, so it'll, it's going to be the end of the game regardless. Sika Anawahi. Father of Roman Reigns was one of eight children. True or false? False. That is false. You have won the game. Sika Anawahi, Roman Reigns' dad, was one of 13. I was going to say, yeah, that's not nearly enough. Like, I was going to say, that number seems a little low. <laughs> I said eight is like a red herring. Like, that's a lot of kids. 13 yeah. children. CK one, wow. one more one more than Stu and Helen had. Yes. Wow. So anyway, Sean has won the first installment of Who's Your Daddy? Congratulations. I believe this is the second time you've actually won the game. Tim. Uh, Tim, uh, you're a Facebook manager, so I'm sending you a new shirt anyway, so you're going to get a prize regardless. Uh, Tim. Tim. Yeah. What the hell, man? Yeah, man. I'm sorry? Uh, everyone beats me. <laughs> What's going on, man? I'm disappointed. I, 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 I think Nick lost lost down. I wasn't going to say anything, but you know. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, fine. Put on the referee, I got it. Tim, uh, where do you want to send people to find you, follow you, support you, all those great things? Absolutely. I, I'm I am at Timmy Dale Taylor on Twitter. I, I will I will uh, constantly PW for L stuff, and and by all means, we're going on Facebook Pro, Pro Wrestling for life. Come find us on there, like us. We uh, we're going to rip up the interaction, so. Everybody come join us. Come give us a like over there. Hey, Tim, thank you so much, man. Hey, Sean, I appreciate thank you. you. Absolutely, appreciate friend. I'll talk to you soon, Tim. Take care, brother. That's it for this edition of Pro Wrestling for Life, everyone. I just want to thank, from the bottom of my heart, Jerry Lynn for giving us an hour of his time. Um, go check out his show with Mikey Whitbreck that I'm going to be on uh, later today, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh and Timothy, not the tool man Taylor, thank you uh for holding down the Facebook page and for playing me uh a game of Who's Your Daddy. Right. Um and uh Josiah, Josiah K. Williams. Josiah, love you, my friend. Um I, I just uh such a big fan of that guy, man. Somebody's gonna be hiring him soon.
All right. That's it. That's it. If you like the show, you want to get it early, ad free, patreon.com slash pro rest for life. That's really all of our social media handles. Uh, thank you all so much for the support. It's been a great week. That's all I got. We're done. See you guys. Bye.